0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Centre for Healing. Let's get into today's episode.
1: Good was it yeah. bacon or was it eggs? No, I'm a pescatarian, it wasn't bacon.
0: Presbyterian, you're Catholic. <laughs> 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 right, welcome back to the Woke Blogs podcast. Nick, you have a beautiful little passage out of a book that you read to me over ramen, and I wanted you to share it at the start of the show today. What's the book?
2: The book is Buddhism, Plain and Simple by Steve Hagen, or Hagen, yep. and uh, all right, here it goes. One day, soon after the Buddha's enlightenment, a man saw the Buddha walking toward him. The man had not heard of the Buddha, But he could see that there was something different about the man who was approaching. So he was moved to ask, Are you a god? The Buddha answered, No. You're a magician then, a sorcerer, a wizard. No. Are you some kind of celestial being, an angel perhaps? Again, the Buddha said, No. Well then, what are you? The Buddha replied, I am awake.
0: That's beautiful, isn't it, Amanda?
1: That's just amazing.
0: I reckon the, the Buddha's like the OG woke bloke. He's straight up gangster woke. Yeah, it was like he was like five hundred years before Jesus.
2: Was Jesus even that woke though?
0: Yeah, yeah, Jesus was pretty woke. Was he? Yeah, yeah. You're a Presbyterian, Amanda. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell us about Jesus? <laughs> Was he eating bacon?
1: <laughs> yeah, he must have been.
0: <laughs> Sorry, pescatarian. That's right. No, no, geez, If you like read a lot of his original teachings, I think they're um, they're pretty damn woke.
2: Okay, I'll, I, I will uh, believe you. That's All what right. I'll
0: do. Nicholas, can you introduce our amazing guest, the first ever woke, woke woman? woman. <laughs> bum
2: bum bum. <laughs> <laughs> Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are graced and have the pleasure of speaking with Amanda and welcome to the show. And Amanda's a client of MindFit um, and also an Olympic athlete in her own right, done amazing things, continues to do amazing things. It's been 20 years, 19 years. 19. S- since, yeah, so you went to the Sydney Olympics. Yep. And now you're... Uh, in qualifying for the Tokyo Olympics, correct, and riding them horses around. Um, <laughs> don't. Uh, what was the thing? The one. Don't
0: stop horsing around.
2: Stop horsing around. Have you Have you heard the expression "stop horsing around"?
1: Oh, many a time. You know, yes.
2: Where, who do you think was the first person that said "stop horsing"? Like, what would have been happening for a person to create that sentence? Do you think?
1: Oh, who knows? And why I, horses? I don't know. Maybe they're all just mucking around. Do
0: horses muck around? They
1: do, yeah. They do.
0: What kind of mucking around do they do?
1: Well, if you get them in a herd, because they're obviously a herd animal, um, they... A, pa- a
0: pack or a herd? A herd. Okay. Yeah. It's wolves or a pack. A herd of horses. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, like any animal, they'll they'll play around, mm-hmm. um, you know, have a bit of fun. Sometimes they have a bit of a fight. You know, my food, your food, get away, but... Um, they wrestle? Yeah. No, not as such. Okay. If you get two stallions together, it can be a little bit you know, they bite each other and they go pretty hardcore, but generally speaking it's usually back legs. A bit back like legs Ryan
0: backwards. and I after Roman. Mostly. So that though. that makes sense. So yeah, stop horsing around if you're mucking around. You know, it could have been any animal. I think any animal when it gets in their herd gets a little bit rambunctious, you know, especially if there's males. And um So, so it was yeah.
2: a farmer that came up with it then, he was these kids were playing up in the lounge room or whatever and he looked out the window and saw these horses doing the same thing and he looked at his kids, looked back at the horses, looked at his kids, looked at the horses and then just this epiphany hit him in the head. He said, yeah. Would you stop fucking horsing around?
0: And then as soon as he said it, like, it went out into the ether and then people just started saying it all over the um the world after that.
2: Because it makes sense, as man just explained. Yeah.
0: I've got another horse one. What? You know, how long's a furlong? Is it 200 metres? Yep. What's a f- what? What's what's the origin of that? do You know,
1: I have no idea. I'm sorry to say, I could make something up, but uh, we'd, we'd no. We prefer
0: you do that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It was how long the longest horse's fur was? It's was 200 meters. Yeah, clearly. Oh. <laughs> That's a long fur. That's a, Tons of fur. Look, the mane. A 200. <laughs> That's it. The mane. longest tail. The, the tail longest length. Tail. Clearly. If you, yeah. if
2: you if you if you scalp a horse or whatever or strip its skin off and.
1: Yeah, stretch it out. Stretch it out. Yeah. It That's like the average meters. horse's fur length yeah, when you put it end to end. It's a fur long. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because yeah.
0: I've never heard it, you know, they don't say like, you know, at the Olympics, like the 200 metres, they're not like, oh, it's the fur long. Yeah, like, no, it's they only should horses. maybe. They should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing. So, you were at the – so 2000 was Sydney, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah.
0: Tell us about that experience.
1: Oh, I tell you, I think a home Olympics is pretty amazing, but um, – you know, A, you know the place really well, but probably the best part was that it didn't matter whether the spectators were horsey or not the fact you had an Australian T-shirt on, they were cheering like mad. Yep. So, uh, you know, I'd go from um, – went up to see my family, so out of the athletes' area, and you'd have all your kit on and people would stop you and go, oh, my God, I've just got tickets to Equestrian. I've never seen a horse in my life, but go Aussie. That's awesome. That's so good. It's yeah. a real,
0: like, um, very patriotic time, totally. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and is – You're going
2: to get behind.
0: Yeah, you do because yeah. it's, mm. it's, it's, it's those things you, like – yeah, watch sports or watch events that you wouldn't normally watch, but you'll find yourself getting into it. The one for me, um, I always get into the weightlifting hard. Right. <laughs> like I, I never watch it <laughs> apart from the Olympics.
1: Actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah, ever. Yeah.
0: And, but I love it. Like it's so entertaining.
2: Yeah. What mine is?
0: Squash really there's yeah, some
2: intense fucking dudes man
0: yeah have you played much squash
2: I played as a junior so I, was, I was I played tennis I was, I was fairly handy at tennis uh, and basketball and football were my, my sports uh, but then yeah there was a squash court nearby and I played a couple of seasons of
0: squash it's good fun isn't it it is and it's tough it's a yeah. good workout it's, it's bang 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 is the uh, so you're a question at what point in the uh, sort of program is that are you early on are you middle or near the end
1: Towards the game. Oh, when is in it? The in game? the Olympics? Yeah, like
0: we're in the Olympics those uh, two weeks. About like the middle. The middle, yep. yeah. Right.
1: Yep. yep. So they have the, obviously, we would arrive in Tokyo probably about nine days before the opening ceremony, and then the dressage people go first, and then we go straight after them, and then the show jumpers go who's, last.
2: Who's we? What's we? We,
1: sorry. We, the Aventers. V- uh, yeah, so it's like horse, tri- uh, horse triathlon. Is it like, the,
2: is it like the Avengers, but with horses, the eventers? Um
1: Maybe but Would not but okay a... We could say it is If yeah, Yes Nick <laughs> no, 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 one else, no
2: one else took that
0: out of that? No I, I reckon of all the people that listen to this show Nobody laughed at that
2: <laughs> No let's hold that pregnant pause a bit longer Do you have five year olds in your house?
0: Uh, so the people I, my, my consciousness is that of a five-year-old a lot of the, the time
2: people in The people that have five-year-olds in their house Or five-year-old boys in their house yeah. Will laugh at the Avengers right.
0: Shoot us a message or an email or a DM or something If anybody laughed at that, please let us know I'd be interested. So, Amanda so, strike, right? so, tell us about the events that you're in So, um, there's the jump Jumping one?
1: So, yeah, so we have three uh, disciplines that we do. So you have to ride the same horse in all three. Um, You start with the dressage, which is kind of like uh, a gymnastic floor routine and everybody that's in the same class has to do the same routine. Ah. And then you get a score for that and it's the lowest score is the best. Um, And then the second phase that you do is cross country. um, And that's like, I don't know, you know, Tough Mudder. Yeah, Spartan racing. It's kind of like that. So you go one at a time, not like race <laughs> horse racing where you go all together.
2: That'd be cool like, if you went all it's,
1: together. It- oh anyhow <laughs> <laughs> this is why i don't ride racehorses because i don't <laughs> want to go all together um so yeah so you do that and there's like say you know 25 to 30 jumps and there are all sorts of different questions that they ask you some are into water some are over ditches whatever and you've got a certain time that you need to do that within which is pretty slick um, and then the last phase is show jumping so it's when they have the um, the coloured poles and they can uh, be knocked down so you get certain penalties if you knock the poles down and when you do um those three events in that order by the time the horse has got to the show jumping it can be a little bit tired
0: oh i could imagine yeah is that all in the
1: one day uh at the olympics it's over three days right. um but when i do a like a short format which is like a sort of a warm-up competition usually we do the dressage on the first day and then the show jumping and cross country on the next day all
0: right hmm with the the jumping have you ever had a horse Your horse come up To one of those jumps And then not jump And just stop Totally Yeah Because I've, I've seen that And people flying over the top yeah. And everything And some of those jumps Are high as
1: Yeah Yeah And sometimes Like they kind of stop And kind of don't And they ca- cope keep <laughs> coming with you Oh God! you all end up in a heap on the other side have you had
0: any injuries in your time mm,
1: yes, <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> so many injuries them. here are my scars yeah. <laughs> what
2: about um, the vest that you're wearing tell Ryan about the vest
1: yeah right so this is a f- fairly new it's made from real
0: gorilla's chest
1: Oh. Simpsons oh,
0: reference wow. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no oh, That was oh, like and, the furlong
1: and, Yeah,
2: And the, yeah, the Avengers Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. One all, One all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So these are now um, Like a pop vest So we've got a, like a cord It's kind of an umbilical cord That goes to the front of the saddle With this amount of stretch on it And if you become separated from the horse It goes and expands right. Within 0.2 of a second
0: Oh wow, that's yeah. amazing yeah. them on for motorbikes
1: Sorry. Yeah, well, definitely Yeah
0: Yeah, that's incredible. So, um, tell us a bit about the dressage. Dressage seems to be one of those ones where you watch it and I'm like, this, it's like the jumping's exciting. Like, yeah, they're jumping over. So you watch the dressage, and it's not as scintillating to watch, but it looks incredibly difficult.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's highly skilled but completely boring. I totally get that. <laughs> You're just talking about cricket before, I'm like, cricket, dressage, dressage, cricket. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it is. Um, so the dressage, the horses um, are really trained, and they're really responsive. So it's like having a dance partner. You know you work together and you train together every single day and all of my horses will know if I you know put my press my right leg on their side whether I put it forward middle or back and how much pressure they know exactly what to do from that so you basically do this routine of movements that shows how trained the horses is how relaxed they are Um, and like a dancer uh, the more advanced they are the more uh, the stronger they are, and the more expressive they are. So, right. yeah. And
0: what's your horse's name at the minute that you're working with?
1: Uh, there is Diesel, Vendi, Zara, Lewis, and Huey.
0: Oh, whoa, we got heaps. We've
1: got a team. <laughs> a yeah, we have a tribe.
0: That's so good. And um, just to weave it in with sort of you know mental health stuff, and me and Nick do. There's a lot of uh, equine therapy out there yeah, yeah. at the minute because you know I think horses, and you would know this better than the majority of people, is they're masters of body language. Yeah, totally. Um, with humans, I think they thought yeah. that horses. could... Would understand like English at one point, but it worked because they were so responsive to humans. But it was just that they noticed every minute yeah. um, body language change. So I imagine the relationship you have with the horse is so important.
1: It is look, and I think that's one of the things that I really love about it is that like there's no spoken word. I mean, occasionally there is one, yeah. but they just have to all you know. You have to learn to speak horse. Yep. So I spend my entire day just communicating with these animals through the feel that I have with them and creating. It's creating a trust too because mm. like. You know, I can't at fifty kilos make a five hundred kilo horse do anything, but the stuff that they will do for me is amazing. Mm-hmm. And if I get it a bit wrong, they get to the stage where they're like, "It's okay, I've got it." You know, you made a mistake, but I've got this for you. Wow. It's all good. Yeah. So it is. It is amazing. Yeah.
2: Do you feel a, a connection with a horse straight away, or do you have to build a connection?
1: Um, it's mostly built. Mm-hmm. Some of them. They're like people, like you were talking about. You know, the energy of of horses. So my mum does a lot of um, energy and bone with horses, and she's like incredibly intuitive with them. And um, some horses are really open, and other horses are like humans; they're quite shut down. Mm. And we've worked with quite a few that have been quite shut down. But it's interesting because once they let you in, you're their person. Mm. It's really amazing, and they'll do anything for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so cool. I imagine that would be really a very therapeutic experience for you. Like being with an animal where, yeah, you're not using language and English, yeah. but sort of working on energy and body language yep. with them, it'd be a very meditative process.
1: It actually is. And it's really funny because like, you know, in working with Nick talking about meditation and I'm pretty sure every time he tries to get me to meditate, it's like trying to hold a bouncy ball down and tell it <laughs> to stop moving. Um, but when I ride the horses, like I actually listen to a ton of audio books and there, a lot of them are me- meditation ones. And I can just kind of go into this really lovely space with them Mm. um
2: that's an active meditation yeah yeah yeah.
1: so I think maybe I was thinking about that maybe I actually meditate quite a lot but it's in this active way and it's a total focus and concentration in a lovely bubble
2: yeah you're very present Mm. a lot of the time you're very mindful of what you're doing so you have to be otherwise shit goes wrong pretty quick
0: (laughs) but that's kind of um puts you in a flow state I imagine as well which is a very meditative process when Definitely. you're on this. Because, I mean, they have a lot of study around flow and everything now and it's that kind of border where there's, there is sort of high stakes um, on the line physically, mm. which is if you're thrown off a horse you're in all sorts of trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then also you're really testing your skills but not massively outside your skill set. So I imagine there'd be a lot of flow state, which is very meditative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. particularly like the dressage is – Well, there's actually two sort of things that I do. So one of the training sessions we do or probably two a week is is the dressage. And that is, it's like you can imagine like going through ice skating routines. You imagine that that flow is is the same. Um, And then the other one is when the horses, when I take them to go and do their fitness work. So we go and canter up hills and do that kind of stuff. So I'll just be out in this beautiful open paddock and it could be windy and horrible. It could be sunny and beautiful. But it's just the horse and I. And I stick the ear pods in. And away we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing.
2: Well, yeah, it'd be interesting to put the um, Muse headband on you while you're yeah, riding. Yeah, actually, would be without the sound. Yeah, uh, and just yeah, see what see the,
1: where the we brain is doing. Yeah, yeah. It, it
0: would be. I imagine it would be very similar to some deep, like monk state, meditative oh, kind of state. Monk state. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Wow. wow. <laughs> Hashtag monk state.
0: Yeah, because see, see, <laughs> you can, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give her these ideas <laughs>
1: I'm so taking that one <laughs> oh,
0: Because um, this is why a lot of people do And people will try and get in flow doing extreme sports Or rock climbing or mm. surfing uh, Whatever it is um, To get in the same state that you know a Tibetan monk might be meditating for 10, 20, 30 years To get into this deep, deep state Where mm. kind of the, the default mode network in the mind starts to shut off Um, So I think I imagine you're getting In a very If you were able to Scan her brain When she was in that state You would pretty much Be a a monk
1: Mate Thank you I'm coming again (laughs) Ryan's my new best friend
0: (laughs) I'm like a horse Once you trust me We're we're good
2: (laughs) Ryan's doing Is just to Make my life difficult
0: I'm not Why am I making Your life difficult
2: (laughs) Because look at her Look how happy she is (laughs)
0: Oh no I'm
1: happy See Oh my god Monk state She's
0: going to be all all Alright
1: Yep Ryan said, I'm a monk, thanks. you <laughs> <so. laughs> and
2: start telling me what to do
0: now. <laughs> well, you need that a little bit, mate. <laughs> so um, in case people haven't picked up, Amanda, you have been doing some work with Nick. Yep. Um, over the past how long?
1: Uh, what, since January, maybe? Yeah. I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and sort of what brought you in initially? What was sort of happening for you?
1: Um, well, I'd split up with my partner. Um, and so that was about – Six months prior to when I first uh, came to Nick, um, and before that, I'd got to a stage where I think I had this epiphany. Often I'll have epiphanies, where one day I said, "You know, I think I'm happy with the person I am," which was huge. And then um,
2: only monks can do that. You
1: know? Well, clearly, I was a monk before my time. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Nick's um, gonna have a
0: shirt for you next time, Monk State.
1: <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> I'm gonna have a whole Insta page, Monk State, Manda. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, That's got a real ring to it, hasn't it?
1: Oh my God, more ideas. Anyway, um, anyway, so after that relationship, I kind of lost that feeling. Like I thought that my moral compass was still on the right track, but I started to really doubt that. And um, after I'd, I'd split up with with him, um, I needed. To, I knew that I was sort of just not feeling how I wanted to feel, and someone mentioned, you know, Tony Robbins and then it went to Gabby Bernstein and, um, what's her name? Brené Brown. And suddenly this whole new category of personal growth just opened up to me and I went, Oh my God, this is amazing. Um, but I still couldn't quite get myself out of, I think I was rumination queen. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it wasn't like, Oh my God, I got ditched. It was like, you know, did I do something really wrong? Did I really stuff up here? And I and I didn't want to carry that on in my life and I wanted to be able to move on. Um, so I was just sick of it. Um, anyway, a very good friend of mine who's also been a client of NYX for ages, um, she was, you know, we're having a chat about this stuff and she just had this really great way of sitting back, looking at things and saying, can control, can't control, blah, blah, blah. And I said to her, okay, who's that guy you see? I want to talk like you. Whatever you're saying, it's really, really good. She didn't
0: good. have a whiteboard with her, did she, Well, lunch? I
1: reckon she was about to pull one out, but she had pink texters. So, <laughs> um, yeah.
0: So you reached out from there? I did. Mm-hmm. I
1: did, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, there are a couple of reasons. One, that this friend of mine, I like the way she talked about it. But secondly, because I'd split up with a guy, I was doubting my ability to read men and women. And I thought that, you know, both genders should be able to be emotionally intelligent. And I didn't think that men should have an excuse to be emotionally shut down, but I wanted to make sure. And I have beautiful girlfriends who are, you know, they're intelligent and they're um, compassionate and they've lived life and, you know, I can chat with them anytime. But I only had about two guys in my life. And so I was like, I need a guy. And if I'm being a dick, he's gonna tell me I'm a dick. Mm -hmm. And Sarah did say to me, this friend of mine, He's fairly blunt, Nick. So you're either going to like him or you're not. And I'm like, no, blunt's good. I need blunt. No, no, you know, pussyfooting around the subject. Yeah. Just tell me if I'm being a total dick. <laughs>
0: and was she being a total
2: dick? No, she was She was being was the best that she could. She's been wonderful. Uh, she was a trainee monk. And <laughs> uh, uh, she was just stuck in, in these really toxic thinking styles. And uh, as she, you put it one day, you know, you walk through the door and there's the bullshit filter and, and you know, I, I go back to it all the time but I, I care about my clients enough to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. So the bluntness, I guess, is another description for that could be um, I hold them accountable mm. And, mm. and that's really important because otherwise they're just off on their own, you know, ruminating as you were and, and all that. So it was, yeah, she, she was doing great but it, there was just, you could see... Uh, the, what her mind was creating w- was um, not conducive to how she actually wanted to be. So we just had to go internal and change a lot of the, the beliefs and let go and challenge a lot of what she, what she was thinking and uh, give her a chance to, to put it all back into line.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, that bluntness. We did a show, I think it was maybe two podcasts ago on Hard Pills to Swallow. And um, sometimes it is just pointing out those those thought patterns that we have going on that we kind of don't want to hear mm. going on. And, and then sometimes they're, our friends are there for support but they mightn't want to tell us that because it is confronting. So it's good to have someone to sort of let you know. So,
2: But it's also, it's also easy because as practitioners we're objective mm. and, and we've got the the luxury of looking at things from a distance where, you know, Amanda was so caught up in it, she can see the forest with a tree, so.
0: Yeah, it's like, it, it's very hard to zoom back on your life mm. without someone to help you do that. Totally. Because well, you're so caught up in it and then, you know, I often think, you know, I'll become aware of one of my, my thought patterns and I'm like, oh, fantastic, I know everything, but there's like a thousand other ones <laughs> that I'm not seeing because I can't pull back enough. And so that's really, really important, so. Um, what are, what are some of the sort of the benefits you found, to the last however long it's been, six months or so, um, working with Nick when it comes to your mental state?
1: Um, well, lots of, lots of little things, but the first one was um, that, you know, that phrase that everyone says is, oh, so-and-so makes me feel like this. Like Nick mm-hmm. would go, no, 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 you're in charge of how you feel. So initially you go, well, I can't help but feel like this when this state first, you know, the old situation first happens, but now I'm able to go, oh, I can now feel myself getting, you know, uh, a bit fired up or a bit um, frustrated or a bit whatever. And then, whereas beforehand I probably would just go on, oh my God, I'm feeling like this. So now I can step back and go, oh, oh, okay. And I find that really easy to see now. Mm -hmm. And it actually feels more foreign for me to be fired up than it did before. So that's really good. and the S box R, so stimulus, and whether or not I react straight away or put the box there, have a little think about it and then respond, that is yep. huge. So yep. going with that, um, yeah, being able to, to step back and have a little bit of a pause is huge. it's
0: massive.
2: I think that's the big thing was, Amanda was really operating away? It was, she kept disempowering herself. So she kept reacting um, to all the stimulus around her and her mind, as it does, as most people do until they do this training. Um, th- her mind wasn't conditioned to stopping and pausing mm. and thinking and observing from it. It was just completely react, react, react. And then she'd wonder why she was in this really heightened state or why her mind had gone down all the rabbit holes <laughs> and found all the bloody reasons why this guy was a bastard or if she was a bitch or this or that, the other thing. And so getting our room, we just pulled all of that back and, and mm. sort of gave us some tools. And
0: yeah, it's like you stop the spiralling downward and start spiralling upward. Mm. It's like when you don't have that box in between the S and the R, mm. then it's just SR, 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 oh. and, and you're constantly yep. – and at the end of the day, you're you're anxious but you're exhausted and, yep. and all those things and you're angry and you wonder why but you're just caught up in that S and R mm. cycle, yeah. whereas the space is so, so important. Another mm. question I have, sort of um, being like a high-level athlete – um, for so long now, like mm-hmm. back going back to the year 2000, Sydney Olympics, what sort of struggles or stresses or mental health issues do you see with being an athlete? Is there unique challenges there?
1: <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I think the first thing is that I, I love what I do and I'm really lucky that I can call my passion my job. Um, you do, um, uh, you know, I, I want to say at my age I'm not a typical sort of woman in that i've been married divorced but i don't have kids and i love doing what i do Um, and so that was always my interest Um, when i started um, at this elite level i was between 24 and 26 so 1998 to 2000 and um, compared to now so when i just went to tokyo um, for our test event a week ago our high performance team now is amazing like we do personality profiling now They look after each and every one of us, including the staff, and they want to know exactly how everybody operates and obviously they want to see who's going to cope with what type of stress and how to best help them. But back when I was younger, I mean, A, I had no idea Um, and it was run by a bunch of older guys who'd basically been in the sport forever, was, you know, chauvinistic everything and as a little blonde girl that had come from a probably pretty nice innocent family where, you know, like mum, everyone loves my mum, you know, she hasn't an enemy in the world. And so when I turned up there and it was really competitive, um, if I got a little bit emotional, I was seen as being super soft and a wuss. And if I was being, you know, too hard ass, then, you know, you were butch and you were too tough. So trying to find um, your way through that was difficult. Um, and then at Sydney, I fell off on the cross country, three fences from home, and back then you get back on and finish. And I was gutted absolutely gutted because I felt like I wasn't good enough but I was on the team and that all my peers were going to be looking at me saying oh see she shouldn't have been on the team I should have mm-hmm. um, and so I didn't watch the video for about 12 months wow. Um, And then a fantastic British writer who was over for a clinic 12 months later, um, I was doing some work with her and she said something about my performance at at Sydney and I'd mentioned I hadn't watched it. So she promptly frog marched me into the house and sat down with me (laughs) and watched it and went through it all and was amazing. So she was really great. So um, I think then for the next, let's say, eight years, I was hell bent on... Fixing what I'd stuffed up. You know, I was gonna make it and I was gonna do this. And you know it's really funny? I learned after about it took eight years. I'm not a very fast learner. Um <laughs> none, none that, of us are. No, exactly. <laughs> You're in good company. Yeah, great. <laughs> Feeling pretty good now, that's okay. Um I learned that I could bust my absolute chops doing this, and I was working, 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 and I went, you know you've got to do this smarter. So then I looked at horse syndicates and stuff and we bought horses that were more educated and already half the way up the educational competition tree and started doing things a bit differently. Um, So that part, I think, also letting go of what happened at the Olympics Mm. and saying, because people would say to me, but you went to the Olympics and I'm like, no, but I failed. Whereas then I went, you know what? I actually managed to go, yeah, I did get to the Olympics Mm -hmm. and it was pretty rare. That's what
2: you brought through the door as well, those unhelpful thinking styles. and There was a lot of black and white thinking with Amanda. It was good, bad, right, wrong, succeed or fail. Mm. And so we had to do a lot of work around creating some grey and introducing some colour and, and getting away from, from that all or nothing. Mm. Yeah,
1: and that that's a bit tricky too because even now, like, um, you know, if you're an athlete, you're pretty much surrounded by numbers and expectations and goals and, you know, this is what you've got to measure yourself against. And so I think it's really important. Like I'm lucky that, well, you know, I may be 20 years later down the track it might have taken me a while, but now I fully understand that I don't um, gauge my personal worth on my success as an athlete.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's – yeah, 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 100% <laughs> yeah, because that's a really important one. I think as what you touched on just before as well, I think it will be good to see now, you know, these – Young girls, especially, coming through who are going into an environment that's much more healthy than it was 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine, which is great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, I think it would be very hard, from my perception, for an athlete getting out of that success or fail mentality, Mm. and especially within a a sport where the Olympics is the main focus. I mean, that's every four years. Yeah. And I always wonder, even the people that go and succeed. So even if someone won a medal, or even won a gold, or whatever it was. I imagine them kind of getting home from that experience and being like, well, now what?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it can be, it can yeah. be. And, and you look at the numbers, like, um, you're right, like it's every four years and then in my sport you've got a partner who's your horse and um, they have to not go lame or not get sick and trying to keep a horse from doing that is, it's not that they're, you know, yeah, they can injure themselves quite easily um, and you can't have a chat with them and go, look, just, don't hurt your foot because we've got a really important competition <laughs> coming up. Just stay on
2: the up. couch for a while. Yeah, that's right.
1: Exactly. Just, just just, take just, it easy. Stop yeah. horsing around. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> you redeemed uh, yourself. <laughs> so um, you can be the best rider in the world and if your preparation and opportunity don't meet at that particular moment, you don't get to ride. Yeah. You know, and I think when I was, what well, was I, like 24 and I was um, – shipped to the UK to ride in the World Equestrian Games, Um, my horse travelled from England to Rome and when it got there, it was sick. So the family booked flights, everybody was there and ready and it was like the day before they went, I'm really sorry, you're not in the team. Wow. Yeah, so it was pretty intense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's so many moving parts there. Like I remember seeing that with, you know, like racehorses and that kind of thing and I'm like, very rarely will take ones over to England or that kind of thing because what is it like travelling a horse or how does that work logistically? Um, Seems like it'd be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, it
1: is a bit. It is a bit. So you have to start off with, um, they have passports mm-hmm. and then they have to have vaccinations and tests and stuff like that because, I mean, Australia and New Zealand are such clean countries that if you're going to bring a horse in from Europe, they've they've got all sorts of diseases we don't have, so it's easier for us to go out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they go on a plane. So they need to go into these like air stables and it's kind of a lot of faffing around at the airport, but timing's really important. So you don't want them standing in that horse stable for, for too long I think it's about 30 hours door to door from Australia to the UK mm-hmm. and then obviously you've got to take them in horse trucks to wherever they end up going um, but like the one important thing with horses is that you just monitor them all the time they've got to have the temperature taken, they've got to be drinking mm-hmm. and also you need to get their their heads down below their their back because you know if we've got a cold, snot comes up against gravity, it doesn't with horses so you can flood their lungs Oh shit! Really? Yeah, and then get like pleurisy pneumonia that's okay. what happened to my horse when it went to Rome,
0: Do they have to go through, like, the X-ray machine at the airport? Oh,
1: no. Funnily enough, they don't. No, no I've been through the back you of airports. You could smuggle drugs in a horse. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Mm. there's all sorts of potential, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> or imagine trying to put it on the conveyor belt. That'd be pretty hard. <laughs> um, so, obviously, Olympics next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you've just been to Tokyo doing that—that that, what you're doing over there—and um, about just under a year until yep. those Olympics. So, mm-hmm. what's sort of what, what's your plans between now and then? Like, is there there's a selection process coming up? Yeah, yep. yep.
1: So So um, we kind of the selectors say like we we paint a picture over time because we need to be super super consistent. We only have three it's three people that are going to make this team, and the new scoring system means you have to complete the event so you can't have anyone that's like boom or bust you know what I mean Um, so we'll have lead up events and I've got a big one in November and then two weeks later with the other two horses in December and then the last hurrah for Australian riders is probably April in Sydney Um, our final choices will have to be into the Olympics by the beginning of I think June Mm -hmm. so that's when we'll know if we're in the team or not right
0: who makes that call
1: uh, we have selectors that make that call. Cool. Yeah. and the So team it's bets not like,
0: you know, the, the swimming trials So whoever wins or whatever gets the places. It's just based on, you know, how you've performed over the season, I yeah. suppose.
1: Yeah, and then how, like we call it sound, how sound your horse is. So yeah. the team bet has got quite a lot to do with that too.
2: Yeah, something we've discussed as well has been how to not attach to a desired outcome because obviously everyone wants to go to the Olympics, everyone wants to get gold, everyone wants to do this, but... If you don't, then what happens to your mental state and where where does your mind go after that? Mm -hmm. So it's trying to find that healthy balance between creating attachment to a desire but then sort of not too much like not becoming codependent on the outcome Mm. so which is difficult for athletes because the whole life revolves around it Mm. yeah
0: i think that'd be a real it's a real balancing act it's like having that desire to keep training keep putting in all the work and everything but then yeah not being too attached to it because if you're way too attached to an outcome you energetically push it away you know, it's like when you're in like like primary school and you really like that girl, you know, and you're like, you want that girl so bad and she just doesn't want a fucking bar <laughs> of you, right? And then you finally get home one day and you're like, fuck it, Steph Cooper? I had a, a crush on Steph Cooper in primary school. I, I'm, I'm, I'm letting go, right? I'm done. I'm just, I can't put myself through this anymore. Then what happens the next day? She's like, oh, hey, how are you going? I'm like, I'll let go of the outcome, <laughs>
2: right?
0: And I think a similar thing happens with the stuff we want in our life. And it's this kind of balance of wanting it so much like how are you going to handle that this whole you know could be in might not be in like yeah. how are you planning There's on dealing with that a lot of limbo
1: yeah yeah i think um having gone through that really horrible experience when i was 24 of not getting to the world games that was that was a pretty big eye-opener
2: is it still a, would you still call it a horrible experience or no
1: nick sorry no no it's, a it's an educational question. experience no, that i've I, grown from enormously yeah <laughs>
2: That was a genuine question. Would you would you still call it a horrible experience? You see, when
1: I said horrible, there was something in my head that said you could have chosen a better word for that. Right. Okay. Interesting. It was an interesting experience. No, it was it was something that showed me the lows, the lows emotionally. So it's yeah. a bit like like anything, if you put in all you have into something, you know that if it doesn't come out the way you wanted it to, you're going to fall with exactly that same amount of effort on, on the wrong side. So now, um, so my attitude towards Tokyo is um, that I know that that choice can be, if I get to go, that's great. But until I'm actually in the arena, like the horse can have to pull out the day before. Mm. So I'm fully aware of that. So I'm put, sort of looking at it in, in steps. So firstly, um, the biggest thing of it all is that I love what I do. And if you don't love the process, if you're only looking at the competitions, then I've got 365 days of training and it's gonna be peppered with a few events. So I have to love what I do every day, which I do. Um, secondly is that life goes on after the Olympics um, and that every four years, like I said, if you're not on your absolute A game at that particular moment in time, it doesn't mean that you know, you're know you not the best rider, it's just that you weren't ready at the time. Um, and then we're gonna focus on competitions Um, Obviously, I want to go and ace them all, but I've got to keep looking at how I can do a little better here and a little better there and what I can change and how it can evolve in order to suit, you know, where we're going. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, if I don't get there, well, I'm not going to go without giving it my best shot. I think that's really important. If I've given it everything... Yeah, and then if I do get to go, then again, it's just going to be a process. Firstly, we're going to arrive there. Secondly, we make the horse okay. Thirdly, we're probably going to run around the Athletes Village and be a bit ridiculous for a small period of time. And and then we focus on the first phase and then the second phase. So I'm not going to think about, I want to win a gold medal.
2: And that running around the Olympic Village, it, you've got to enjoy. Yes. Yeah. The, the, like, it's got to be rewarding in itself and yeah. then whatever happens. Happens. I think what we've been focused on is trying to stay present, so not get too ahead, not get left too far behind. You don't want to be bouncing between the future and the past and Mm. depressed and anxious, depressed and anxious. So staying present, mindful each day, focusing on what do I do today, what do I do tomorrow, and then whatever happens, happens, and you you cross those bridges as you come to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's super important. Yeah, you said you have to love what you're doing fall in love with the process. Yeah. Otherwise you're in trouble. Yeah. I think if you're doing it just for this certain outcome whether it is in 4 years or 1 year or a month or whatever it is, um, you get into a lot of strife because you're so you're not having fun in the moment number one, plus your happiness is so uh, determined by what that outcome totally. is, you yeah. know. And I think that you said it's something about, you know, you got to love it and go all in. I think this is why a lot of people half-ass things. It's because, like, if I go all in with something and give 100% of myself and know that I'm doing my absolute best and then I fail, mm. in inverted commas, then we tend to think it says something about us. Mm. Like, I'm not good enough or I'm this or I'm that, when it's not.
1: Yeah. Well, if, you can,
2: if you can give your all, give put everything into it and then walk away whatever the outcome with your head held high, I think that in itself is success. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah, it's that... I've given it my all. I've done my best. I've I've performed for my utmost, and on the day, and I, I gave it everything. Mm. Yeah. And and I'm a, and I'm at peace with that. I think yeah. that's a, that's where your happiness is going to come from. That that contentedness with with mm. what you did and how you handled things and how you performed within yourself. Yeah, you know, everything else is just an added bonus. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's so true.
0: Tell us what that experience was like at the, the athlete village and, um, and also the, uh, the opening ceremony in Sydney. I'd like to know what that was like.
1: Yeah, right. That was pretty cool. So um, we walked out, Australia walked out last and the cheer that you go you go through um, the, this concrete tunnel through into the main arena and I couldn't hear who I was next to because you know the noise reverberating off these concrete walls was amazing. And then you come out into the main stadium and you know it's just crazy there's just cheering and like everybody's gladiators walking Totally. In. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's really funny like um everyone sort of expects you to say that the Olympics were completely amazing. It was always really really you know this happy happy joy time, but it really does fluctuate quite a bit. So, um before the opening ceremony, we were in the gym facility, gymnastics facility sitting there for ages. So while all the, the ceremonies are going on, we're just watching them on televisions sitting there kind of going, well, we're here for four hours or whatever. (laughs) And then you finally get to go out and that part's amazing, right? Um, The Athletes' Village is really cool. And, like, if you're a foodie, I tell you what, you can get everything. Everything. Yeah, everything from sushi to Maccas to probably the best ramen you guys have ever had. Like, it's amazing. (laughs) We need
0: to train more.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We need
0: to make this team, man. That's it. What do you reckon we could get to the Olympics doing? Bobsled team?
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) You should do Jamaican. Warm bowls. Curling. <laughs> Curling <laughs> Golf, Curling. I'll, golf. Be the, I'll be the sweeper Golf's an Olympic sport
0: <laughs> You reckon we can do it? If we put our minds
1: to it <laughs> <laughs> We
2: can do anything, Ryan
1: <laughs> Anything for the food <laughs> uh, Imagine the
0: ramen in Japan like, Oh, it'd be you. amazing um, Alright, well, look, I'll tell Mel that I've got to play golf five days a week for the next, how many years?
2: Uh, well, till next,
1: well, either next year like, or we five months? years?
0: <laughs> 11 months have, yeah, have, right. have
1: a crack at both games yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, what's the next one? Paris? That's nice. Oh, we. We, we. Yeah. Ooh. Oui.
0: Oui, oui. yeah. <laughs> 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 Woke bloke's road trip,
2: anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We could
0: it. do some podcasts in the village. Oh, That'd yeah. be
1: interesting. Oh, that would be really heard, cool. Um, yeah.
2: Who, who, did you get any, um, did you meet any idols or heroes? Like, were you starstruck at all?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. So, who was,
2: who was the biggest? Who, who floored you?
1: Oh, I don't know. The basketballers just standing next to the basketballers <laughs> was pretty funny because, like, I'm all of five foot three, and so I just look at them and I'm like, wow. So, that was back in the day. So, Luke Longley, um, Thorpe,
0: yeah. he
1: was there, got a photo with Thorpey. Um, But, oh, we watched, um, this was the best experience, actually. Um, one of the dressage riders who's actually really funny and really crazy, she managed to, we got some tickets to Kathy Freeman's semi final. And Christy, this, you know, hysterical dressage rider. She's like, "Come with me!" So we've run down into the stands, and she's got us right in the media area, which is exactly in front of the finish line. Mm. I'm thinking, how did she do that? Shut up and go with it. Just shut up and go with it. Anyway, so what I never expected was the start gun goes, and there's a Mexican wave of um, camera flashes yeah. that goes around the arena. Wow. Yeah, and it was moments like that that you just go. Wow! A, I never expected it. B, this was a magical, amazing, and everyone's just cheering, going crazy. So, you know, it's um, yeah, stuff like that was really cool. Um, but um, we actually played this bit of a, a bit of a game. We all the equestrians, we'd walk into the food hall, and we're the only people wearing jeans and boots. So we've got our Australian team T-shirt, jeans and boots, and we'd sit down and watch as all the athletes came through the door and guess what sport they played. Yeah. So you know, you can see the huge, big, tall dudes. They're probably basketball, and we're sitting there stalking their, their um, accreditation. Like, you know, I'm not really looking, but where are you from? Um, and then there were these girls that came in, and they were sort of five foot ten, athletic, fit build, and they were covered in scratches. And we've, like, what do these girls do? No Water idea. polo winner. Bang. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: I've heard she gets crazy under the water yeah. there.
1: Yeah, wild. Yeah. yeah. I didn't
0: know. I've known the girls, but I was I was speaking to someone or listening to something and they play water polo with the guys and he goes, yeah, there's all sorts of nut grabbing and stuff that yeah. goes on underneath the two, water. Two
1: pairs of bathers for everyone, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I did get Olympic bathers. Didn't use them, funnily enough, but in part <laughs> of the kit, we got Olympic swimmers. Yeah. I
2: love it. So mm. it was, um, was you're saying Bolt wasn't around back then. Um, Phelpsy was Phelpsy there? No. no, no it was
1: the Thorpey, yeah. Um, what's his name? Um, Daniel was it Kowalski? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah Sat next to him in the food hall, and I had texter writing for my times on my arms, and he's like, "You cheated on your exams." <laughs> so I had a bit of a chat heard, with him. I
2: heard some crazy stories about. You said you can get Maccas there, yeah. And uh, apparently, the swimmers just go to town on Maccas because they just need fuel. It's just it's energy. It's just calories, 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 mm-hmm.
0: and they don't care where it comes from because they're just going to burn it off. Like, like swim two laps, eat
1: a pizza. A, swim two laps, eat a pizza.
0: Well, that's what yeah. Like they put you know Phelps's diet, you mm. know, and, and it was like bloody 10,000 calories a day, I'm like, I don't know how you get that much food in your no. body. It's unreal.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty funny. I think they say after their races, everybody just goes to town in the food hall and eats yeah. whatever they want because yeah, they're right. just so regimented before that that afterwards yeah. it's a crazy free for all. You
2: and you've got the ring there. Where did you get the ring from?
1: Oh, that ring? Yeah. Oh, my mother. So I had that um, the signet ring made um, years and years ago and funnily enough, when I was washing a horse's tail, in the wash bay at home, it came off and I lost it. And then mum um, was looking to get me something for birthday Christmas last year and she actually had that remade. So God bless my mother.
0: Superstar. Um, Let's talk about physical health now. Like what's your kind of regime to keep yourself in shape?
1: Um, I go pretty much – I say I go to the gym every day, Mm -hmm. but obviously like there's days where I don't go. So this morning I rode horses and didn't go to the gym. But – Yeah, I try to go um, every day and do a mixture of, like, I love it, it's my time. So that's, you know, I go out early in the morning, go to the gym, it's my time, my space, I get off off the farm. Um, And it's a mixture of, like, for us, there's heaps of um, muscular endurance and lots of balance and um, anything that makes your posture better. Right. So I just go and do, like, I smash out about 40 minutes and then... And then I'm done a bit yeah. of rehab. So I
0: imagine it is quite a, it's a combination that you need to be you need to have strength work, that endurance, and then you still need to be cardiovascular strong like yeah. it's a real all-rounder.
1: Yeah. And and cuz we can compete like um, there's a fellow called Andrew Hoy that's had seven Olympics under his belt and he's 60. And the amount of injuries that we can possibly have if you don't keep yourself in quite good condition then you're just not going to be walking anywhere like you're going to be a crumpled heap. So there's quite a good incentive if you can compete at uh, 60 to Crack on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm.
0: It's definitely a, a good choice for longevity, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Not like gymnastics. It's like
1: no, done by 18, 18 and yeah. I'm yeah. done. Yeah, exactly, old woman. My <laughs> well, best, best days are behind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. totally, <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, what about diet-wise?
1: Um, as I said, I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a Presbyterian fish-eating so holy, vegetarian. holy water and fish. Yeah, that's it, yeah. that's it. Um, so, look, it's funny, you know, like equestrians in general – like the elites, they're all pretty lean. Um, I think I have heard a lot of the meat, crunchy nut, cornflakes and whatever they can get a handle on. Yeah. And you don't sit down and have big meals because I'm riding all day. Mm. Um, I have a real interest in fitness and health. Um, some of the others, maybe not all the time, but um, I think we all have this understanding that you can't have a heavy meal and then bounce around on a horse. No, it's that, not doesn't, a good idea. that doesn't sound like a good idea. No, and all. then if you get really nervous before a competition, like no one wants to eat a whole heap. because no. yeah Yeah.
2: Uh, do you think you were born with the 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 genes of DNA for horse riding like the the body shape and the body type or
1: um probably a bit short only well no it's it, it depends horses come in all shapes and sizes mm. um so mum rode and loved it um, and I just wanted to do it like screamed when I was taken off the horse mm-hmm. so I think you know like anything Thin you your blood yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um but if I could if i could say one more thing would make it easier like the guys are stronger than me so i can't have a big strong horse all my horses have to be really really educated because i don't have the muscle to pull Mm -hmm. them
2: up so you have to work smarter instead of harder yes we're talking before about how uh, equestrian is the only olympic sport where men and women compete against each other Mm -hmm. how's how's that for you guys
1: um, well, I guess it's it's oh well, it's all we've ever known, you do, know. Do you get
2: equal prize money? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's
1: yeah, because it's just like places safe from first to six. So whoever fills it gets whatever prize money's on yeah, offer. Yeah. yeah. So I think um like one of the guys that I um am on the squads with, he said he was we were explaining this to our Japanese translator when we were away, and he said so Amanda looks much prettier on the horse than me, but I can sometimes go faster because I'm stronger and I can pull the horse up more. Yeah. So you know you've got. Pros and cons. Yeah.
0: yeah, but it kind of all evens out at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. What? What about the from the horse point of view? Is it a mixture of male and female horses? Does that?
1: Yeah. 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 So um, we have mares and mostly geldings. So ch- you know stallions that have had the bits yeah. chopped off because
0: they get a little bit out of control. With the they
1: just got a uh, yeah a little bit of attitude a yeah. little bit. I was
0: like that before I had mine cut off. Really?
1: <laughs> Good to know. Mail that out, yeah.
0: Um, Shout out to Dr. Um, Dr. Snip Snip. I've never had that done, actually. Um, well, if I had it didn't work because I had a baby. Um, so, okay, so a mixture of male and female horses. Yeah. yeah. Something else I wanted to ask uh, more on the personal development side. It Mm -hmm. said, you know, before you contacted Nick, you started getting into, you know, a bit of Tony Robbins and Brene Brown and that kind of thing. Is there any uh, books or resources that you could maybe recommend to people who are looking for some (laughs) some content to consume? (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, well, lots and lots of things. I think um, one of the first books that I – I listen to audiobooks because I'm on horses all the time. Um, So The Courage to Be Disliked um and i, I think read that
0: like a month ago really yeah yeah yeah, 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 got yeah. The courage to be happy well
1: that's yeah. the next one i want i'm waiting for it to come out in audiobook yes right. um so that was really um, how, how
0: was that on audiobook because i read the the physical copy and obviously it's it's written which i love the way it's written it's yeah. with a, a young seeker yeah. talking to the master and trying to pull down his uh yeah. way of seeing things did it, have, was it two different voices or? well
1: no it was the same person um, and at first you had to kind of decipher what was going on. But then once you got the hang of it, it was You fine. could tell where yeah, it was going. Yeah. yeah, so I really liked that. That was kind of at the beginning and I found it to be quite straightforward, quite simple, so I kind of got my teeth into that and that was really good. Yeah. Then there was another book that was really, really long it's, and it was a, oh, it was quite intense called The Choice, which is about a woman who'd survived outfits and then turned around to become a psychologist. Wow. Um, and it was about all throughout – um, those experiences, that she made choices that were always based on the cup being half full yep. and that she ended up surviving that and that her life was great because, you know, she always looked looked upwards. It's like
0: the uh, female Viktor Frankl. It is.
1: Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love a good audio book. Um, the Was it A Buddha walked into, walked into a Bar? Buddhism for Beginners? That was also quite cool. Um, is that
0: the one you were reading out of? No, it's not. <laughs> Buddhism, plain and simple. Buddhism, <laughs> plain and simple. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that sounds good too. But um, I, I
2: listened to Buddhism for Beginners on audiobook. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was really good. It gets a bit gets a bit loose when they're talking about death and all that sort of stuff.
1: I think I skipped over that part. Yeah,
2: people sort of struggle with with that part of it, but by and large, it was really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then the one I loved that I've just finished listening to is a Monk's Guide to Happiness, and that's um, narrated by the author. Did you write that? Actually. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the acknowledgments right being a monk <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the one that didn't you uh, was it um Untethered Soul.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And
1: that's on audiobook, and the guy chatters, and he actually sounds a bit like the inside of my head. And I had to put it down <laughs> for a bit and just go, Enough, enough, shush, I'll is, come back to does, this. Does
0: Michael Singer himself read it, the author?
1: She, I don't know, but it was pretty goddamn intense. Yeah, it yeah. probably is.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's like, but It was authentic. That's been my favourite book of the year so far. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's um yeah. beautiful book. Beautiful yep. book. Love it. I've been giving that out to everyone. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yep. I love that. That's
0: some great resources for yep. people. Yeah, The Courage to Be Disliked. I really enjoyed that. And that's yep. uh, a Japanese, I think. Yes. It's just recently been translated yep. to English um, about Alderian psychology and, and the like. So, awesome. Nick, is there anything else we want to talk about here? I think we've covered most of it. I know.
2: Yeah. This has been fun.
1: <laughs> oh, great. I know. <laughs> great it's Very entertaining. Great the
2: female energy in. And, yeah. yeah and a lot of listeners actually were, were asking for um, a female... Or some more female guests, so you've broken the mould. Oh God, yeah.
0: you're a pioneer, Amanda. Thank wow.
1: you, pioneer you're monk. Monk in state mans. Oh my God, that's it. I'm definitely getting t-shirts. Yeah, none of created this
0: a m- monster, ride. <laughs> you have No idea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh.
0: And I don't care. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> that's
1: right. You can post me back off to the peninsula, and I'm his problem. <laughs> 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 you're no problem.
2: It just be, be, be funny when uh, she's standing on the on the dice getting the gold medal and she r- calls her top <laughs> partners this monk T-shirt underneath.
1: And that'll be my merch. Do you yeah. out the next day? You can now buy gold medal monk merch. Perfect,
0: perfect.
2: Right, <laughs> Riding it all the way to the bank.
0: i just on a dollar a shirt, all right? For Absolutely, royalty, all right? you're
1: done. You're a partner. Done,
0: all right. <laughs> Man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for coming in. We wish you all the best, Um, not just for leading up for the next 11 months, but obviously beyond that as well. And, um, yeah, it's been fantastic.
1: Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks.
0: All right, peace out. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the woke blokes podcast please don't forget to subscribe to the show also leave us a five star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time